We're not usually this bad, Mary. <laughs> I started reading the line sure above. <laughs> well, I, Rob and the I, I, yeah, I've, I've I've got I've got Rob all discombobulated because I made him uh, read a chapter of uh, the indie book this morning. Oh, the indie book. Okay. This, yeah. So, so this, this, Rob, this 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 one this, will be good. Yeah, okay. This is this we'll, is we'll okay. Wait. Yeah, we're still in that mode <laughs> where yeah, we, right. really, we we do several we takes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. And Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the mystical underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our producer and tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Among them are Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities, The Secrets of Spirit Communication, Sensing the Future, and Aliens in the Backyard. Our upcoming book is called The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground. Trisha's new novel, White Crows, is out, and Rob has been slowly releasing the audio edition of Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Alexa Bly is our guest today. She's a California native, a baby boomer, and a family therapist living in Southern California with her golden doodle, Penelope. Growing up, she was influenced by the social unrest and changes of the 60s and has been a social justice advocate beginning when she was in middle school, then high school and college. Alexa went on to become a family therapist and 10 years ago began specializing in working with survivors of narcissistic families, where one member, sometimes a parent, other times a sibling, and sometimes a spouse, suffers from narcissistic behaviors. The reality-bending gaslighting, manipulations, and isolation leave family members suffering from complex post-traumatic stress, often knowing something isn't right, but they can't put their finger on just what it is. After some time, uh, after time some members just succumb to chronic self-doubt and must find themselves again. Though semi-retired with a private practice in Southern California, Alexis continues to commit herself to making a positive difference in people's lives. She's also the author of The Good Sister and Her Flying Monkeys, which focuses on a family that has a narcissistic person in it. Welcome, Alexa. So glad you're joining us. Hi, Trish. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for inviding me. I'm sorry, I just got off to a <laughs> sorry, I just got off to a rough start, start here. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, a lot of questions. All right, these days the word gaslighting gets tossed around a lot in a lot of different situations. How would you, as a counselor, define it? Well, gaslight has come into mainstream media now, so everybody's talking about it. Originally, gaslight came from a movie in 1944 about a husband who wanted to gain control of his wife's millions of dollars. So what he did was he started dimming the gas lights in their attic so that downstairs the lights would dim and she would wonder, what's wrong here? And he'd say, what do you mean? Nothing's wrong here. And after a while, she started showing signs of anxiety and doubting herself and feeling like she was going crazy. And he would say, you know, what's wrong with you? And the idea was to commit her to an insane asylum, which if you're isolated in a gaslighting situation, especially when it's intentional like that, you can end up exhibiting all kinds of pathological behaviors that actually are natural reactions to being in that kind of crazy making environment. And gaslighting essentially nowadays is not just when it's intentional, it can be unintentional. It's when somebody rearranges reality, creates alternative facts, negates your reality. What you just heard isn't what you heard. What I just said isn't what I said. 
those kinds of things. And we've seen it on the national stage, but we find it quite often in families. Uh, some of the examples that uh, probably haven't been referred to gaslighting, but have the same impact is in a traditional alcoholic addict home where reality is denied around the alcoholic or addict's behavior, like, oh no, they weren't that drunk last night, so it's minimizing. Um, oh no, that didn't happen. Or getting up and cleaning up the vomit before everybody gets up in the morning and pretends it didn't happen, even though people can smell it and knows it's happening. It's all denied, and that really causes people to question their reality. Another common example is when somebody's having an affair and the spouse knows something's wrong, can't put their finger on it. Well, let me ask the okay. next question. Yes. In, in your novel, The Good Sister, which came out several months ago, we see gaslighting in action. Tell us about that story. Oh, thank you for asking. Yes, that story is about Elena, who is a paranoid, take-no-prisoner drug trafficker who turns into an FBI fugitive and marries a cop to reinvent her identity. And in that story, her reinvented identity is challenged, and she finds it at risk by a brother who has Asperger's. Asperger's. So what she does is, and this is typical of gaslighting in our contemporary times, is she goes around to different people planting gossip about him. And she does it in two different ways. She goes around telling many people that he's a pedophile. And this is inspired by a true story, by the way. And then she goes around to family members saying, you know, people are going to misinterpret his behavior around our nephew and think that he's a pedophile. So the gaslighting is going to be happening on two different dimensions. One is she is telling people in the community that he's a pedophile. And the other one is setting her family up to understand where it came from. It was something he did wrong. And in, in, in the novel, he then gets, um, quote, outed with this false narrative in front of a large gathering of people at a barbecue where he's accused of uh, making his, grant, his nephew in the same way that he should like a woman. And people start calling him a pedophile. And he is so caught off guard by that that he becomes obsessive on figuring out what happened, how did this happen, and goes on to show how that obsession just blows up on, on the family, but has this not always likely outcome of the family starting to talk to each other and comparing notes and comparing stories about the sister and actually banding together. And when their realities are validated, it undoes the gaslighting. Hmm. So in, in a lot of ways, this is what's happening in politics. Gaslighting. Yes. Uh, gaslighting. For me as a counselor and as a therapist, many years ago, I used to have to refer my clients to watching the actual movie Gaslight. <laughs> and even then, remarkably, they would watch it and they would still doubt that they were hearing and watching this movie of something uh-huh. that they related to, but doubted they didn't understand why they related to it. Oh, and so it takes a lot of briefing and walking them through it, yes, because it creates a very crazy-making uh, environment that uh, people just start doubting themselves. And for people who haven't been through it, they don't. it's hard to wrap your head around it. It's hard to really understand it. Have you found mm-hmm. that uh, recent years that you're coming across uh, more gaslighting in families in your counseling practice? Or is that uh, something that is changing uh, from earlier years? I would say it's not changing from earlier years. I will say that gaslighting was never talked about in my training as a therapist. Oh, interesting. People didn't even know what it was. I mean, you know, in the alcoholic field, it was called denial, so you could validate at least that way. But it's much more pervasive. And typically, gaslighting comes from somebody who's disordered. They have a need to control, and they use gaslighting to control somebody's reality to achieve some end of their own. It is Hmm. entirely possible also to accidentally gaslight, and by that I mean secondary gaslighters, where for in the example of the good sister and her flying monkeys, many of the flying monkeys were just passing on gossip. They had no idea it wasn't true, but it was altering people's perception of the target, which was the brother named Thomas. So then they would all react differently around him. He could feel like something was off, and then this thing explodes on him, and and, and his whole reality is distorted. 
So in the sense of gossip and people repeating things that are untrue, we've always had that. In the sense of people planting false narratives, actually, we've always had that. But what you don't always see as a counselor, but what I started to see many years ago, was that somebody would begin to doubt themselves that I was working with in such a pervasive way that it puzzled me. And so I would pay attention to it and explore it a little bit. And probably the biggest instance I remember, um, that was a woman who had a husband who was molesting her daughter. And the daughter had grown up and begun to talk about it. But he used to gaslight her all the time. You know, if she walked in and there were five trash cans outside, he'd say, no, there are only two. And she could look at them five and he'd say, two. And when she said that to me, I realized, oh, my goodness, this woman has been gaslighted because she described once going by a liquor store. This was the big red flag for me. And thinking that it was being robbed, she saw two kids go in with a gun. But she she doubted herself. She wasn't sure. So she just went home. And the next day she heard it had been robbed. Now, that is a Mm. huge example of self-doubt that had generalized to the rest of her life. Wow. Wow, that's huge, though. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. It just almost knocked me out of my chair. Uh, It was so big because he had used it to have her question her reality all the time. And, of course, then if he was taking advantage of a child in the house, she would think it was going on but not be sure it was going on. So very, very insidious. Hmm. So in a sense, in a case like that, you you doubt what you sense and perceive. Absolutely. In other words, you doubt what you see. That's right. That's right. And then other people, then it can become cult-like where other people uh, can, you become suggestible and they can, uh, when you trust them, they begin to define your reality in ways that don't exist. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. Well, uh, go ahead. What, okay. So what one attribute of gaslighters is a need to control. Is that it? To manipulate yes, and control the... Yes, for the intentional gaslighter who just wants to gaslight and control somebody, yes. People like having an affair that are lying about it that has a gaslighting impact. That doesn't mean the person is out to make the other person feel crazy. They're lying, and they're lying to cover up something they don't want to be exposed to, exposed about. But true gaslighting, in the as it goes back to the movie, yes, somebody's trying to control someone control their actions, control their behaviors to their own ends. Huh. Wow. Um, so are, do you think that most gaslighters are natural liars? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes absolutely. Hmm. They're very comfortable lying, and often they're very confident, way too confident, way more confident than most people in their lies. Hmm. Well, do you ever get somebody as a client who's dating, say a woman who's dating a guy and he lies about everything? So is that guy a gaslighter or just a liar? Well, he could be he could be a a player who's just going to lie. But typically the story would begin with her talking about I'm just going to use her, but it could be a woman, too, and and a man. Uh, her a woman doing it to a man, but it starts out with her talking about how amazing the relationship was in the beginning. He was such a good listener. He was so attentive. He just paid attention to everything. He could just almost intuit what she liked with showered her with gifts. It was an amazing relationship. And it's only till later that things start not making sense and little lies come up and she wonders about them and dots don't connect it's what we call cognitive dissonance, where we've got different dots that we're trying to connect, and they just don't connect. And the human mind wants to connect. We want to make sense of our world. So the more it doesn't make sense, and it's very subtle, the more it doesn't make sense, the more we think and think and think and begin to obsess and even dream about what's going on. Huh. So, well, okay, well, when you hear this kind of thing, how do you advise people? Well, don't listen, don't look. I mean, 
Okay, well, first of all, it takes time to debrief them and get them to see that, well, yes, the dots don't connect. And yes, that is what's happening here. So validating their reality and that they're not crazy is the first step because they're so confused. Then we begin to look at, okay, so how is this happening in current time if they're still involved with the person? Sometimes Uh I'm dealing with someone after they're not involved anymore. While they're still involved with the person, well, when it's a love interest, we have to look at the trust. How do you trust somebody where they're not giving you truthful information? And I explained trust is the cornerstone of a relationship. Without that, you're in quicksand. And, of course, they feel mm-hmm. like they're in quicksand. However, they have this love connection with the, if it's a romantic interest, mm-hmm. uh, love connection of that just sense of being one with them where they just were so attentive. And it's like an addiction because literally when we fall in love, it changes our brain chemistry and it, mm-hmm. it releases more dopamine, which is our feel good uh, neurotransmitter. Sorry. Let's see if turn Mom, here. Sorry, turn that down. Sorry. That was my echo. Um, so it's a feel-good neurotransmitter, which is it's the same neurotransmitters that cocaine works on. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this addictive quality. And with a gaslighter, they will gaslight. The person will get very stressed out. And then suddenly there'll be a little honeymoon period. And everything's just all like it was in the beginning. And then it changes back mm-hmm. to the gaslighting and the abuse and the craziness. So what that does is gives the person just enough breadcrumbs to keep coming back for more. And it's very difficult to break that pattern. And so literally we have to talk about taking a time out, going no contact. Typically I'll say, Mm -hmm. let's just take a 30 day break here. There's something magical about 30 days where there's absolutely (laughs) no contact at all. The person starts to regain a sense of themselves. And often that's enough for them to start noticing more and more what's going on. Now in a romantic interest, it's just not going to end well. There's nothing you can do. If you have children, you're bound to that person, and that's a different mm-hmm. story. I don't know how much detail you want me to go into here where it's just someone you're dating versus somebody you married versus a family member. What would be just the most? Give us all your knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> all of it? Okay. I'll be glad. So if it's someone they're just dating and they don't have children, Ultimately, they want to look at going no contact with them and breaking the relationship off. And in order to do that, they first have to do they have to start breaking that addiction, that that brain mm-hmm. addiction. So we'll educate them about that. And we talk about self-care and anybody in a situation like this has to exercise good self-care. You have to break the isolation because when you're in this kind of situation, you become very isolated. And this person has more and more control over your reality. So no matter what you don't feel like doing, you have to do it. You have to go out with friends. You have to socialize with other people. You have to journal right because that helps get it out of your head onto paper so you're not just exhausted from your mind ruminating. Uh-huh. You, you have to just do nice things for yourself um, and, and break that isolation. That's one of the biggest things. And as you do that, then you can begin to see more and more what's going on because some of this is the person's reality getting validated. As uh-huh. the gaslighter continues what they do, the person now begins to see it. And the gaslighter also learns how to push your buttons on all that expression. They know something you're vulnerable about, and they'll push your button, making you feel uh, emotionally reactive, uh-huh. especially if they've been gaslighting you. They'll call you crazy. Oh, you're just too crazy. You're too sensitive. Here you go again. Or I don't have the slightest idea what you're talking about. Right. And that's somebody's buttons that causes them to emotionally react and then it's a gotcha see there's something wrong with you and of course that chips away at somebody's Uh self-esteem so in taking that 30 days away from them and doing lots of self-care they begin to see it while it's happening and Mm. that's in a in a um, interesting way that validates their reality but that doesn't mean just because they know it in their head that emotionally they can get out of right. the relationship. That's what makes it so difficult. So getting out of the relationship is very educational, having them take breaks. And when they see that they do need to get away from the person, if it's not a coworker and it's not somebody you have children with, there's no reason to maintain contact with them. So those are the cleanest ones. You go no contact. You block them on social media. You block them on your phone. You take no calls because the minute... Right. You have contact with them. 
you're going to get sucked back in. Your brain's going to respond. It's like cigarette smoking. You know, you'll want that cigarette. You'll want that fix. And it is, there is a chemical addiction component to it. Alexa, what what about after? Oh, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, Alexa, what is the connection with social media and gaslighting? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other show. (laughs) Yes. So I'll just say it briefly. Well, first of all, you want to have no contact. So you don't want them making comments on there, even nice ones, because that'll suck you back in. But, oh, my goodness, somebody can go on social media and they can post all kinds of fake things about you. They can talk about how you're having emotional meltdowns, you're paranoid, you think you see everything that isn't there. And then the person who's being gaslighted, even though they now know what this person's up to, all the other people on their social media do not. Um, So now they have all these flying monkeys with their fake stories around them. And then they have to sort through, are they able to straighten this out with these friends or acquaintances and if those people are just really locked into the false narrative unfortunately they really have to go no contact with them also because it's just crazy making but there will be people in their circle who get what's going on and they'll remain friends but the social media is a is a just incredible insidious way to spread a false narrative about somebody and surround them with flying monkeys which that comes from the Wizard of Oz, you know, with the right. flying oh, right. <laughs> pick you up. And it's not only mm-hmm. people, but ideas as well that can be spread that in the same way. I, absolutely. Yes. Ideas about people or ideas about ideas, um, facts you want them to believe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or say, you know, two people experience the same event, but the gaslighter would say, no, that, didn't happen that way. Would would that be an example of of gaslighting? Well, it can at at at, at its worst, it's a lie. Once yeah. people begin believing it, the next step is for people to be confused about it. Once it moves into confusion, then now the gaslighter has control, and hmm. so now the gaslighter offers a solution to clarify the confusion. It's like, oh, it's relief from that cognitive dissonance, trying to figure it out. So now we have that. Well, of course, we're going to cling to that belief of that fact now because we don't want to go back to, well, wait a minute, we got this dot and this dot, and they don't connect. Oh, here's why they don't connect. Can you think well, yeah, of anything you might have seen well, with that? Anything? Rob? <laughs> What's that? Can you, you want to give your example? Yeah, right. So I have a, a case of... Uh, uh, gaslighting that's happened to me recently. Uh, it's deals with a person. I didn't that, do it. <laughs> <laughs> it, de- <laughs> it deals with a person that I was uh, working on his uh, his novel uh, as a ghostwriter, <clears throat> and he s- started acting very odd, and I belatedly realized he is probably a mentally unstable person because he couldn't he wanted the novel to be exactly the way he was thinking about it but he couldn't write it himself but he wanted me to write it exactly and as things just uh went off the rails it got worse and worse where he's accusing me of uh changing things uh against his will and it uh then it actually turned around so he he's like gaslighting me about the the story and it's like listen this is just uh a a first draft i could rewrite and he says no you're going way too fast way too fast you can't do this like this and so he he's gaslighting me and then what he does is projects it to me so he's telling uh the uh, the company that's uh the intermediary that i'm gaslighting him <laughs> and it, it just oh it my goodness a, yeah so it's not only that uh he's gaslighting me but then supposedly i'm gaslighting him and telling a third party who who's <laughs> comes comes in the middle to solve the situation so th- that's a it's a crazy situation so i just basically had to stop saying anything that was the only way i could respond and he went on and on uh but yes. you know i just uh i refused to respond 
Yes. So you went no contact with him. Right. Yeah. Right. So may I respond to that story a bit? Sure. Do we have time? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> so, Rob, if you were someone that came into my office and I, you know, because you're really distressed, this is a professional gaslighting going on, you know, in your, your profession, um, and you're disturbed by it, you can't just write the person off because he's spreading these stories. Okay. The first thing that came to mind for me as I listened to you was, and it's a good example, is that I would suspect, I would hypothesize in my work, I hypothesize, then we look to see what supports the hypothesis. I don't, not just some know-it-all that knows everything. So I would hypothesize that it sounds more like there's a high possibility, probability, that this um, person who retains your services and the victim of and target of gaslighting. And mm. I'll, I'll tell you why. First, mm. they know the term. Second of all, you said must have some kind of mental instability. Yeah. The person has this incredible story in their head that they can't get out of their head, but they can't get it on paper themselves to write it. And they mm-hmm. can't communicate it to you well. And they're frustrated with you. This mm-hmm. is somebody who has been gaslighted to such a degree that they're desperate to be heard about something. And they can't communicate it well because they're so confused and they really need help. They really probably need to work with a therapist that understands gaslighting and debrief through it. And then they'd be able to put their story together. They probably have just read about gaslighting and said, oh, this is what happened to me. But Mm -hmm. they have, they're not in recovery, not at all. And it's really sad. And on top of that, you can see somebody who has been gaslighted will cause others they try to communicate with to feel like they're losing it, going crazy. And this is just too much and being gaslighted. So it gets passed on to them. Now, Rob knew enough to just go, okay, this is a gaslighting kind of situation. It's crazy making. It's not making any sense. The person doesn't sound devious and malignant to me. They sound like, you know, I would explore the possibility that maybe they're um, the target and unrecovered of gaslighting. Mm, That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that would probably fit, Rob. Maybe, yeah. I've always felt that he was like uh, some mid-level manager who had people working under him who he who don't like him, and uh, that that has to uh, come come into play too. I'm not sure if that's the case, but that's how I've always felt about him because he wants to control everything and people around him and. Uh, that uh, he he took his his own professional life, whatever it might be, and uh, just projected it uh, into the the the, the ghostwriting story and uh-huh. the way he dealt with me. Oh, very possibly. And if he was a mid-level manager, now one possibility also. And again, I'm just using working hypothesis. I don't know this man. I'm not saying I know anything about him, but based on my antidotal experience, I I would look at that. And what first thing I wonder about, and I'm wondering, not, not saying it's true, but I would start with, well, he could well have been gaslighted by somebody that worked for him. Hmm. If everybody dislikes him, yeah. you know, of course, the first thing we're going to assume is what you did, Rob. But, you know, remember, I've been working with these situations for a long time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things might be that somebody under him started stories about him yeah. and played different co-workers against each other. Mm-hmm. And so now none of them like him, but he doesn't understand what's happened. And the more we lose that sense of understanding and making sense of our reality, the more we cling on and try to control everything mm-hmm. and then see that person, oh, that person's just crazy. Oh, they're this, they're that. So I don't know, but somewhere in that guy's background, something's happened. And the fact that he thinks you're gaslighting him, the story sounded like that before you even got to that part to me. That would be something I would explore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not much Uh, you can do. Yeah, right. Uh, There wasn't anything I could do except just just cut it off and uh, and end it. Uh, Have you ever, by the way, worked with... uh, Companies that have uh, problems uh, like this, uh, or just families? Uh, companies I, or people who work for companies that gaslight employees? Yeah, well, I uh, think, yeah, that would be. 
I think there are people who go into companies and try to, you know, talk to the the different levels of employees and work with them <clears> over <throat> what their problems are. And uh, I don't know. I was just wondering if you had ever been involved in anything like that. Not as a consultant, but I had a client once who had a pretty high up position, was a director of a big um, big department and had multiple um, sites mm-hmm. that happened to the woman she had to oversee. And uh, they brought a consultant in actually at her request to help with one area of the department. And this consultant started gaslighting, but my client didn't huh. understand what was happening. So started gaslighting my client. And so being able to debrief her pretty quickly and coach her on how to handle this with the understanding that this consultant was going to hang herself at some point. It was a female consultant, Mm -hmm. right? So she was building herself up at the cost of gaslighting my client and by getting Mm -hmm. my client's staff to see her differently by reframing and actually creating a false narrative. That was very, very tricky. But the consultant ended up hanging herself, and they literally, yeah. And did they she literally hang? She, oh, did, did she literally hang herself? Oh no, I'm sorry. I was thinking. Oh, okay. Give her enough rope, and she'll hang herself. Yeah, right. Okay. Manipulation. Uh-huh. I'm glad you clarified that. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so, Although, oh yes. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, I could imagine somebody committing suicide over being gaslighted to the point where you don't know who you are, what your reality is. I mean, where you feel nuts. Absolutely. That is the, I haven't had a client have that happen, um, but that does happen. And you can see that sometimes, and I'm doing a little, I'm currently researching cases like this. Um, It's an area I'm interested in, but when you have a big corporation and you have a whistleblower, you know, it turns out that, um, Corporations will have a whistleblower policy, which encourages people to come forward. Um, Mm -hmm. It looks good to the IRS when they ask you if you have that. But they actually have a shadow whistleblower policy. That's what I'm learning, which is they deal with it by gaslighting. So they encourage people to come forward, and then they build a narrative to make them sound like they're paranoid or suspicious or accusing everybody of corruption or angry or bitter. You know, we hear it in the news all the time. It's just a disgruntled employee. But you can see uh, with some people, and we see it on the national scene right now, where that attack on them goes from disgruntled to, you know, they're bitter, they're angry, they've got a hidden agenda, they attack. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's brutal in a corporate situation because how do you go no contact with that? You have to leave the job. But you become emotionally unstable as you're betrayed. We call it betrayal trauma over and over again by supervisors and people above them who you've known for a long time, who you trusted and they flip everything around on you and make you look like you're unstable, which causes them to try harder to communicate. Can't you see what's going on? And the more, all they have to do is gaslight by saying, I don't quite understand. I don't quite understand. Or no, that didn't happen. And Uh when it's your job and livelihood. And I mean, it's just terrible. Yes. People have could, committed suicide over those yeah, situations. And it hmm. it could have been uh, something that was put forth just because they wanted to get rid of that person so that somebody made up the story in the first place. That uh, well, would be slow. Going. Yeah. So, you know, if you if somebody would like to get rid of this boss, they make up a story, spread it around, and then the person has to defend himself, herself, and uh, then the pers- the people above that person hear the story and start to wonder, well, maybe this person is not the right person for this job mm-hmm. if there's so much trouble the, the other people are having who are working for well, him. And beyond that, Rob, think of the story you just shared with me about the guy mm-hmm. who wanted you to write the book. Right. Imagine for a moment that somebody started, someone under him started a rumor about him. And so all of a sudden he's feeling gaslighted. So he's becoming obsessive and controlling. Then they're complaining to the bosses upstairs about how obsessive and controlling he is. Do mm-hmm. you see how he's been, provo- right. been provoked to act that way? Yeah. And then the mm-hmm. bosses, oh my gosh, this guy has bad management skills. He's out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm wondering 
if th this behavior doesn't start much earlier, like maybe in middle school, where uh, especially with girls, I remember when our daughter was in middle school, it seemed like there was a lot of gaslighting going on uh, yeah. with those uh, kids. Uh, and it was uh, it seemed to be really cutthroat. Uh, and have you ever had an experience with children oh. gaslighting? Gaslighting. I've, I've heard experiences of adults who went through that as children. Yeah. Absolutely. And you are spot on. I mean, we call them mean girls, right? And right. you're yeah. talking about exactly. It really starts in fifth grade. That fifth, sixth grade is such a brutal time, you know, because the girls are changing. They're getting into, you know, pre adolescent, adolescence, and they just. You know, they get into cliques and they have the popular girls. And, yes, they can absolutely start rumors. And that goes on all through high school. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you can even have kids. Well, you see it now on the news, sadly, where kids are bullied online by just that right. kind of experience who commit suicide. It's horrible. And it gaslights them. It isolates them. And, you know, it's a very important time to be with your friends. So we have all these different names. You know, we have mean girls and we have denial and we have gaslighting. <laughs> But I think if we took gaslighting and looked at what it is and didn't just say it was intentional to drive somebody crazy, mm -hmm. but it was going to be used to manipulate them in a way that they were pushed out of something or bullied or pushed into something they didn't want to do, um, we, we would see, we would understand, we need to understand more about gaslighting, specifically about its impact on the, the target because it's a question of could they commit suicide? Yes, and they have. And you see that with children. And I've worked with adults who were, quote, bullied or gossiped about when they were mm -hmm. kids. You know, competent adults, you know, they doctors or nurses working in an emergency room. But they still remember that. and They've compartmentalized it, but they suffer from a lot of anxiety. Huh. And mm -hmm. That anxiety goes back to those days. Of, I'll just say it simply. They were gas experiencing gaslighting when they were in middle school or high school. So Rob, that's a good question. Absolutely. Yeah, and your right. daughter, I, I would love to talk to the three of you sometime about her experiences if she wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, well, she, I'm wondering if being gaslighted in middle school for her has led to being attracted to men who are basically liars. Well, I'll tell you why that could be true. Because we gravitate to, one, what's familiar to us. So if liars and being lied about is something that is familiar to us, and, you know, uh -huh. middle school is starting to separate from our families. That's the developmental task. Right. So right. we separate from families and we have to hang out with our peers. They become our new family. Well, if our peers are liars and manipulators, that becomes our new norm. And, you know, to fit mm -hmm. in... Sometimes you even see the girls start acting like the other girls. So you have one probably budding narcissist in the group and the right. other ones the behavior and start doing the same thing because it's peer pressure. So it's very, very insidious. And what makes it so horrible is that is it during middle school, during early adolescence, that's the time when our psyche is so fragile and vulnerable. It's a time of separate, starting separation from family, taking new things, learning new things about our peers. You know, our frontal lobes aren't developed yet. Right. And so it, it can really, it can, it can leave a, a mark and an impact on us. Yeah. And just shortly, I'll say very quickly, someone can, it can be like a deep gouge in your, in your, in your arm. And for some people, that's never, that's never healed. The gentleman you talked about, Rob, that's probably, if, if we're correct, the hypothesis were correct, a deep wound with anything you're doing without realizing it, pouring salt in it. Now, what does that feel like? You go bananas, right? right. Then, for some people, that wound is healed to a scab. So they're very protective mm -hmm. of it and get through life and do pretty well until something comes around and bumps it or, God forbid, rips the scab off. Now, out of nowhere, they've suddenly gone berserk. So what we want through counseling and therapy is to heal that wound to a scab, to a white scar, you know, where you see it, you remember right. it, it doesn't hurt anymore. Can, can oh. I ask a question real quick? Yeah. So, Definitely. sorry, and I'm sorry, disembodied voice, John. <laughs> but, but, uh, but 
um, with everything you with everything you guys have talked about, um, how do you tell the difference between gaslighting and good faith difference of opinion? And let's add an extra degree of difficulty online. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there is there is there a checklist? <laughs> you know, how do you tell if somebody's <laughs> gaslighting versus just a good faith difference in opinion? You know, yes. that's an excellent question, because everybody today can say, oh, my gosh, I'm being gaslighted. And what one that can mean they're having a gaslighting experience where they're starting to doubt themselves. So we won't diminish that. But in a case, let's start with just a very heated debate. You both feel passionately about facts, but you feel passionately about what they mean, and it's different. Well, if you're talking over each other and disagreeing, you're just talking over each other and you're disagreeing, right? John, you know that that's going on, right? I agree. Yep. I can can recognize that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After a while, I mean, I had the experience with someone who was in the opposite end of the political spectrum than I was. But, you know, she had a lot of attributes I really liked about her. And so I said, you know, it's better if we just don't talk about this stuff. And oh, my gosh, everything that came on that came on her favorite news channel, she'd be racing over calling me about as if somehow we were like minded kindred spirits. And, you know, so finally I just cut contact with her. Now, she wasn't gaslighting me. But she wouldn't stop. She wouldn't stop the discussion. So in that kind of situation, it's not gaslighting. When you see it, you stop it. And I pretty much want no contact with her because she was obsessed with the stuff, had her own stuff going on. Now, in another situation, it's less likely, John, that it's going to be any kind of heated discussion that's gaslighting because gaslighting, by definition, is very subtle. Mm -hmm. If you give me an example of a discussion... Well, let me say this. Let's say you and the person are having a heated discussion and you go away and you research something and you come back and you say, look, I researched this. And what you were saying isn't accurate. Look at this. Now, at that moment, that person could say, well, I never said that. Well, whether it's intentional or not, that's gaslighting. Or the person might say, your facts are wrong. Okay, well, let's go look at your facts. And then they start spinning all these stories because there are no facts to support them, right? Well, then that becomes a gaslighting experience. Mm. Sure, and sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, well, I didn't mean to cut you off, but but because but yeah, I think I think that is a problem, especially online these days. Is just uh, it, I think you know, and and you'd you'd said earlier that the 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 term gaslighting just really came in vogue you know within the last few years um and it just it i think it gets overused when it's just in a lot of cases it's just a difference of opinion but if if you can't agree to disagree with the person then it's really the same result you just have to let them you just have to cut, mm-hmm. cut them off so yeah. and if you can't agree Absolutely. with them if you can't agree what the facts are too uh yeah the difference between facts and opinions. That's well, but but I mean that doesn't mean one. It doesn't mean one's one party or the other is right or wrong. I mean, there's the it, it, just just because you're cutting them off doesn't mean you're correct. It just means you don't have the patience to have the discussion, <laughs> you know. But yeah. but but I mean because that could come from either side. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of flat earthers that really really <laughs> are really pretty adamant that they that they know that that's true. Right. Uh, but but. Uh, so, and and I'm sure they cut a lot of people off because their facts don't align with somebody else's. But it, it's it's just, it, but that's what concerns me is just that the the it is is there there is a there is there is some gray area there between between just general good faith debate versus getting gas gaslighted. So. Well, yeah, in a sense, you're talking about conspiracy. Uh, we're kind of leading into okay. Are, is our conspiracy theories a, a form of gaslighting? They could be experienced as that. And you notice I say uh-huh. the word experience because right. somebody with any theory, you know, conspiracy is a judgment we put on it. So let's take that out of it for a minute, okay? Uh-huh. Somebody with two, and it kind of goes towards what John's talking about. Two two different theories of something can disagree on it. We can agree to disagree, okay? 
one of us can have so many facts that dispute it. It's like, it's unbelievable. And the other person has no facts, but they have a lot of circumstantial evidence to support it. And they really believe it. And we can go on to this is like that podcast. Rob, what, what that's like what she's talking about now is like that podcast that yeah. we didn't put up. <laughs> oh, right. well, and, yeah. and, that's, and that's really yeah. what brought up the question, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, somebody can Sorry, really, really believe it. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, I, this is so interesting to me also. Yeah. You can really, really believe it. Now, is it a delusion or is it just alternate facts that somebody believes? And we know that people can be very psychologically vulnerable. And so people who are masters at gaslighters can plant you know, conspiracy theories to where they believe uh-huh. them and they believe them with their whole being. So you can't change anything. Is that gaslighting? I would say that's secondary gaslighting. So you've got somebody up here mm-hmm. who knows something's a lie, but they feed it to people. They're flying monkeys as if it's true. And usually those flying monkeys have a certain vulnerability about them. Either they really trust this person. We're vulnerable and we trust they trust this person who really is not trustworthy. They're manipula- a malignant narcissist, mm-hmm. for example. Well, now these people become the flying monkeys who just believe this with every bone in their body. And then they go on and they spread it. And then they run into somebody who counters that and says, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you created a conspiracy. This doesn't work. Well, it's become uh-huh. cult-like. But it can't, and, so it, and, and so then the other person will actually experience you as the gaslighter of them. <laughs> well, uh-huh. but, but you said wow. something there that I, that I, I think is, in, so is interesting. So, so is it, so, so gas, so for it to be gaslighting, does the person doing the gaslighting have to know that it's not true? Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So I gave an example of where the original source <clears throat> of the, of the lie Mm-hmm. comes from someone that's gaslighting. But if the person right here really believes it, so they're the original well, person, there there's a delusion. Well it, let, let me let me give let me give you an example real quick that that that, okay. that I that I use that I've used to, uh, in the past in similar conversations, not this exact conversation, but Galileo uh uh, was imprisoned <laughs> because he right. he brought the bad news <laughs> that that the earth's not the center of the solar system, that the earth actually revolves around the sun. The facts at the time were that this, the earth were, was the center of the solar system, that the sun revolved around the earth. Um, Mm. As it turns out, bad fact wasn't true, you know? So, so, I mean, that's where it gets complicated when we start talking about facts because facts get updated, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. So we go on what the best way, I mean, at some level, we could all get gaslighting each other, you're saying. Yeah. In reality, <laughs> most people will make a concerted effort to research facts from reputable sources. We can only do the best we can do. If we have somebody on a podcast who spews all these facts, but there's nothing to back them up. That's very different than somebody who's on a podcast and has a lot of factual information right. to pull yeah. up. And we, as human beings, are not perfect, but we can only do the best we can do. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's really answering your question, John, because it, I'm concerned also that somebody might have researched bogus sites and truly, truly believe that the Earth is still flat or well, the Earth well, is the center of the universe. Well, the, the 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 flat earther thing was just a throwaway, but 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 my bigger concern is just w- would be more in the case of Galileo, where no, mm-hmm. guess what, the 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 um, what is considered well, was, the the the, main, the, uh, the, mainstream, the, main, yeah. the mainstream belief at the, the time, yeah, right? The, the the yeah, which was religion. Yeah, well, yeah. And, it but, was the well, religious well, zealots who well, put him in know, prison. But I don't, I don't, but I don't. That to me, that doesn't matter. It's just that is, it, it, I'm more concerned that this was the widely held belief that this was a fact. Somebody right. disputed mm-hmm. that fact, and guess what? They turned out to be correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but suffered, but suffered, you know, suffered, uh, you know, to some extent for for uh, 
bringing that to the table. Yeah. Um, uh, we, I, I just, I'm concerned we have to be careful that we can't have debates without it turning into uh, being called out as gaslighting. Anyways, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've got a. I've got a good example of that uh, of the government gaslighting us over decades, and I think it's related to UFOs. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, basically we've been told since maybe the mid to late '40s that uh, you're a little wacko if you believe in those things flying in the sky. If uh, you didn't really see that, or if you did see that, it's it's not really what. You think it is is uh, it's a balloon <laughs> uh, swamp gas uh, or yeah. whatever, uh, and so, uh, but yet, I think there's evidence that in the government that uh, there are elements of people uh, who actually are researching it and do be do believe it themselves, and at this and this has been going on for decades too, but maybe at the same time promoting this uh, basically gaslighting, this false uh, narrative, and that projects onto people who are curious about uh, the subject. And so it, it's, it was a way of keeping them silent because of uh, whatever might be that, uh, uh, the, I guess it was the idea that people couldn't handle it if... Uh, if uh, we would, the government would come out and say that we are not the only uh, intelligent beings in the universe. So, well, basically, the Pentagon is saying that now by their investigation into UFOs. Well, I, I think there. I think it's opening up more. I think there is more yeah. interest in it. I mean, uh, you have you have uh, there was a one hour. Uh, investigation in Congress that it was, it was very basic, but it just showed that you know it's a response because uh, when when things open up, uh, so like when Obama was president, you could there was a line you could call in and ask questions about, and it was like sixty percent of the questions were about UFOs, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it was uh, you know they they would say well if we move beyond the UFO question, then these are some of the other uh, concerns that I'm not saying that Obama was uh, taking any position one way or the other, but it's just that there just show that there is a a widespread interest in that subject. And yet it's still in the mainstream remains taboo. Okay. And you're also pointing out that the, purpose of the response by the government is to control the narrative. Right. Right. Yes. Right. And usually that comes from a place of fear mm-hmm. for most people. Yeah. Most people don't control wanting to, for the sake of control. Some people do, but remember gaslighting is a process. If I'm dismissive, we're all dismissive. Sometimes we all have a conversation where we go, Oh no, I didn't say that you misunderstood. Or I might say, you know, you misunderstood and maybe you did. And I think that's John's point is that we can, or can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yep. We're good. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's more to John's point of when is it just something we do in everyday life, have a disagreement or dismiss something or whatever versus a process, a chronic gaslighting process that goes on with the intent to control somebody's perception of reality. Mm-hmm. And also not just the intent being there, because sometimes people are part of a flying monkey gossip thing where they have no idea what they're doing. They think they're doing the right thing. It really causes somebody to doubt their reality. If we, like in the example I gave, where I finally with this person had to say, you know, just no contact anymore because I asked you not to talk about this stuff and you won't stop. That's not gaslighting either one of us. That's just saying we set a boundary and they didn't stop, right? Or we can agree to disagree, as John said. But I'm not, I don't leave doubting myself. If somebody lays out excellent facts, well, I might doubt myself in a healthy way and say, oh, I need to go check these. In fact, right. this person something to me about the name of the talking head who made this comment. And she was all excited about it. And there was no, no way statistically it could be correct. But I thought, okay, I'm not going to say anything yet. I'm going to go research. Maybe this person doesn't have a post-secondary education, this talking head. 
It's like, oh, God, you know, so there's healthy doubt when you go and recheck your facts. That's part of what we do in, in discussion, uh-huh. discourse. And, and, and I think that I think that's the Gal, Galileo example where this, yeah. this this guy came with science. I mean, science that he had performed, but it was pushing against the, the general consensus at the time. And right. and, and, and and I think and, and anyways, I, I'm just so he spent repeat. most of his life in prison. For <laughs> well, it. I, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm, I'm just repeat myself now. But that's that's what worries me, especially online, especially with the online experience these days is that. Uh, is that uh, what you've got to be? Uh, I'm not going to put it that way. Uh, Galileo, uh, where are the Galileos today? And would they even present their uh, their uh, their science uh, to the you know? And 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 certainly some of this happens behind the scenes in academia and and through paper, you know, through uh, through uh, research. Uh, organizations and stuff but but it but anyways but yeah it's just that uh it, you would be you it, i mean if 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 the entire world believes that the sun revolves around the earth you're going to be the one that comes and tells them nope yeah. <laughs> no no the earth revolves around the sun sorry we're not the center of the solar system <laughs> well what about this guy at google i'm sorry who said uh he's got this ai that the ai has is cognitive or something yeah, no, that that and uh, and yeah, we 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 well, and yeah, we talked we talked about that on the unreleased podcast. Yeah, but, right. But yeah, um, AI is a term that gets way overused. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, okay, go ahead, <laughs> Alexa. Oh, I I was going to comment, John. I think the Galileo example is really good, especially when you put it into the question context of happened so many years ago versus if it was happening now, would he have come forward? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to paraphrase what you were saying. Well, back in the day of Galileo, when people are afraid of something, they throw you in prison, they shut you up, right? You disappear. Right. That still goes on with some dictatorships today, people disappearing. But in a, quote, civilized society where we have free speech, you can't throw people in prison for something like that. Ah, but, but you, but you can't. You can't- yeah, I'm um, go ahead. I'm, you're probably about to say what I was going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. But you, but you can, you can deplatform them and cancel them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you can gaslight them and make them sound like they're crazy. Yes, and so they no longer have any credibility. So they're in a they're they're in a different kind of prison, and that's a good example. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah, that's 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 what's mm. that's 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 what that's uh, scary. It, it worries me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. And the thing, something related to this in politics is uh, a phrase that came up in the last uh, several years is alternate alternative facts, uh, as yes. if those are just as good as the regular facts. Uh, so that that really <laughs> messes things up when you have, yes, a, it does. Uh, you know, millions of people ble- believing what is, uh, would be alternative facts versus facts. So. And and probably saying that well, our facts are the facts. You have uh-huh. turned to facts and really messing things up. <laughs> I would so love to know where she came up with that. Yeah, that alternative <laughs> yeah. facts, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I I wish I knew because it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. Alexa, suppose you're involved. You're married to a gaslighter, and you've got kids like this story I had mentioned to you, what, what do you do? Well, I think it's not a healthy situation for anyone in the family. So most likely you either go crazy and your kids grow up in a crazy environment or you divorce the person and then you got to work through the co-parenting and custody arrangements. So you keep it very straight and on track. You don't get involved in any other communication over your kids, your kids come home and say, mommy or daddy said this about you and you don't engage uh-huh. with that. You just validate the kid's reality and teach them that critical thinking skill. Now, but suppose abuse of, is involved. Emotional abuse? No, physical, physical abuse. Then physical you call abuse. in uh, whatever your local child protective services is. 
Yes. And unfortunately, I think maybe either you're going here at something I see a lot in the courts do is that allegations of abuse are a way that they believe some people and some people probably have used it as a way to manipulate the courts and manipulate Mm -hmm. custody arrangements. And unfortunately, because some people have done that, the judges look at that as, oh, it's just a custody case or Uh or protective services. Oh, it's just a custody case, which is gaslighting all by itself because it's dismissing a reality because people aren't investigating it well to find out if it's accurate. And nowadays in divorces, they have forensic psychologists that they interview the kids, they interview the parents, uh-huh. they have an MMPI, they get a, you know, it's just, it's it's a huge industry. And that's what goes on. They even have in divorces a special uh, communication system that cannot be tampered with. And, and sometimes the parents just communicate over that where it's all in writing and there's a law that uh-huh. everything discussed. So they can't later on say, well, no, I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. No, I said uh-huh. this. It's all in writing. It's pretty extreme in uh, family law. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. I'd, I'd love to take a class from you. <laughs> you ought to teach what you know. <laughs> well, maybe someday, not too in the too, not too far future, I'll have a, a blog on it. That's probably okay. Well, that's it. good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, this has been this this has been fantastic. And you yeah. can Alexis tell uh, t- tell us where we, people can find your book, The Good Sister and Her Flying Monkeys. <laughs> oh, okay. The book is on Amazon, and it's uh, for Kindle. It's also paperback, and it's also audio. And it's on uh, Barnes & Noble. I think if you just Googled it, if you wanted to, in um, Google The Good Sister and Her Flying Monkeys by Alexa Bly. That's B-L-Y-E. Okay. Well, if you have your favorite place that you buy books from, it'll come up on that. But I'm, I'm an Amazon girl, so I go okay. Amazon. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. Thank, yeah, this thank has been you fantastic. So interesting. I have more. I have more questions for you, but I'll save them for another time. <laughs> it brings up. It brings up a whole lot of issues. Uh, it sure does. Definitely. Yeah. It does, and thank you for having me because I learned some things talking from the three of you. Also. That's great. Yeah. This, this, this is. This is yeah. more of what we need to do is talk to each other. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Okay. And I, I'll send you the link when it is. It coming out tonight, uh, John? Yes, it will be. We'll post okay. this today. Yep. Okay, and I'll send you the link. Okay. Thank and you put it on your blog. Me. Thank you. Put it on yes. your blog. <laughs> right. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. Okay. You bet. Thank Take you. Care. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Yeah.